Our first reading is from the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes, and let him be filled with insults. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading is from Luke chapter 13. At that very hour, some Pharisees came to him, came and said to him, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's okay to lament. That's our focus for today. We've, during this sermon series, we've been talking about getting real and understanding that, that life is not perfect. Last week, we, we saw that we are not perfect people. And the first week, we said, it's okay to, to say, ouch, I'm hurting. It's okay to, to admit that things aren't perfect and, and maybe something is causing pain. And today, we're, we're going to take a look at what do God's people do when they ask questions of, of why and it seems like there's no answer. It seems like it's, it's not clear as to why we're going through what we're going through. When God's people in the past have asked why and they didn't always have a good answer, the response was that of lament. It's what we see in scripture. There was a, a really kind of interview that, that got a lot of publicity during the COVID uh, pandemic, and it was by Time Magazine, they interviewed the theologian N.T. Wright. And they were asking him what, what was the response that he could give as to why the COVID pandemic was happening. And he didn't have a good answer for them. He didn't, he didn't have a, a perfect answer as to why, but he said this, it is no part of the Christian vocation then to be able to explain what's happening and why. In fact, it is a part of the Christian vocation not to be able to explain and to lament instead. 
As the Spirit laments within us, so we become, even in our self-isolation, small shrines where the presence and healing love of God can dwell. You see, like Job, we weren't there when God created everything. And, and we aren't privy to God's ways all the time. He has revealed himself to us, but not completely. We don't know everything about God's ways, and we should never assume to always know what God is doing. But one thing we can know is God has promised to be with us. N.T. Wright followed up a little bit later in the article to say this. Some Christians like to think that God is above all that pain stuff and knows everything and he's in charge of everything, calm and unaffected by the troubles of the world. That's not the picture that we get in the Bible. You see, the people of God have always been about speaking the truth and about seeking to understand things in a real way and not try to candy coat things and not try to make things something that they aren't. We call a thing a thing. We say it like it, it really is. And in the process of doing that, of telling the truth, we can learn the process of really what's happening in our lives. And that's what we're dealing with in this sermon series. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't quite have the words to express what you're going through? I know that happens sometimes in joy where you're just so excited about something and you just can't contain it. The opposite is often true in our lives. We're going through something so deep that we can't quite find the words to express what's going on. Scripture is a place where we can go. And in the Old Testament, there's the book of Psalms is, is a book of all of the emotions of the people of God. It's kind of like a roadmap, if you will, of the soul. Throughout hundreds of years, God's people collected their thoughts as to how they dealt with all the range of things that they were going through. Now, if I were to ask you the percentage of how many psalms you thought were psalms of praise and joy versus psalms of pain and lament, do you think there'd be more praise or more lament? How many people think praise? How many people think lament? Two-thirds of the book of Psalms are Psalms of lament. The, <laughs> she got it right. <laughs> but when you think about that, when you think about our own lives, how often are, are we really in the, the joys of life? And that is a great thing for us to be in. And we celebrate and we thank God. But when you think about your life, how often are you kind of maybe in the middle or maybe... You're dealing with the stuff. That's the beauty of the book of Psalms, is it gives us language to what we're going through. It gives us a way to speak, to speak to God, to, to speak to each other. I just got back from a, a worship conference in Arizona, and we spent a lot of time in the Psalms of Lament in the Old Testament. And we talked about what it means to, to walk with the people of God, especially as we come together in worship. To be able to, to admit what we're going through and say, hey, God is with us as we go through this and we're here with each other. And so we took a look at some psalms to do that. One of the psalms that we looked at was Psalm 130. And it starts out with this, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. 
Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits in his word, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Yes, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For the Lord is full of unfailing love. And with him is redemption. We prayed together at the beginning of the service, and it might have seemed a little bit odd. We, we prayed a psalm of lament. And we can learn about this form of communication. We can see that in it, how we can, we, we can relate to one another. There was a Christian songwriter and theologian, Glenn Packiam, that we've actually used at that worship conference before, and he said that there are five things in Scripture about lament that we can learn from. Five aspects of lament. The first thing he said is that lament is a form of praise. Now, believe it or not, lament is a form of praise. It might seem odd to call it praise, but we have to define our terms a little bit. Oftentimes, the word lament is synonymous with complaining, but we don't see that in Scripture. What we see in the Old Testament When people are complaining, we think of like the children of Israel and they're out in the desert after escaping Egypt and they start questioning God. They start, have this kind of an edge towards God and did you call us out here to die? I mean, we had it good. They didn't have very good memories. We had it good when we were back in Israel with the meat pots and, and it was a nice, warm, safe place for us to be. And what they were calling upon the Lord was in a questioning and an attitude of dissent and doubt. But in the Psalms, we see God's people calling out in their distress and asking God to work based on what he has done in the past. We know what you've done before, God. We've seen your mighty works and your power. We know that you have delivered us, and we know that you can do it again. We trust that you are on our side. Complaint is accusing God and maligning God's character. Lament is is appealing to God based on the confidence of his character. Lament, first of all, is a way for us to praise God. Second of all, lament, the second aspect of lament is it is a proof of a relationship with God. When Israel reached out to God, it demonstrated that they had a relationship with this God, Yahweh. They could trust that he would hear based on that relationship. When you think about the prophets of Baal, when they were on Mount Carmel and they're appealing to their God, Baal, and they had no basis of a relationship. They had to go to extreme measures and they were dancing and and doing all kinds of sacrifices and even cutting themselves, trying to get their God's attention. And yet you contrast that with Elijah, who knew he had a close relationship with God. With this simple word, God answered, Elijah. Elijah knew that God would would act because he was his father. When a kid comes to you and you're sleeping on a Saturday morning and you want to sleep in and your your little kids come to you and they want breakfast, you ever had that happen? You thought you were going to get a a nice sleeping in and the kids come and they're asking for breakfast. And it might seem a little bit annoying, but what it shows is that they have a relationship with you where they know that they can come to you and that you have provided in the past and pancakes are really good on a Saturday morning your kids have a relationship, so it's natural that they're going to come to you 
when they're in need. That's the relationship that we have with God. The opposite is painfully visible. There were some researchers in Russia that looked at infants in an orphanage waiting to be adopted, and it was silent where the babies were. It was eerily silent. The children still had needs, but they had learned that crying did them no good. There was no one there to take care of them. Children who are confident in the love of their caregiver, they cry out. Lament is that cry for the Christian, confident of the love of their father. Lament is a proof of our relationship to God. Lament also offers us an opportunity to grow deeper in our relationship with God. When you consider the people in your life that you share your emotions with, not just the good emotions, but also the heartbreak, also the things that are tough, the good and the bad. When someone only shares the good things with you and pretends that everything's okay, we tend not to really trust them and we really don't usually grow deep, too deep in a relationship with them. A deeper relationship happens when, when we open up. We share those times of distress and pain and, and brokenness. This is a true relationship. And this is what we have with our Heavenly Father. He wants us to share, share it all. And when our hearts are open before him with true transparency, not for his sake, but he, he knows it all, but for our own, we grow in that bond of relationship. Lament offers us that opportunity. Lament is also a prayer for God to act, a prayer trusting that God will do something. It's not just a, a passive event, but it's calling upon the Lord for action. The Jewish prayers often called upon the Lord to listen and to act on their behalf. The Hebrew word Shema is very common in Hebrew prayers. They would pray that God would hear them and answer their prayers. In a similar fashion, they would call upon God to remember them. Remembering is not like God might forget you. Don't forget about me, God. But in a biblical sense, for to remember someone is to act on behalf of them. And so they call upon God, hear us, Lord, and remember us. Do something because we know that you can. In the New Testament, Jesus taught his disciples to do the same kind of thing. As he taught them to pray about the coming of the kingdom, thy kingdom come. Because it's a part of the way that God works among his people is through prayer. We pray for God's kingdom, his restoration, and his healing, that it might come into our lives, but then also that we might be participants in the lives of others, that we might bring that kingdom of God more and more as we show love towards our neighbor. We bring it through our acts of mercy. So God is using us through our lament to bring his healing. Lament is also an opportunity for us to participate in the pain of others, to bear each other's burdens. Lament connects us to God's people more and all of God's people. This is how the Psalms work. When we pray the Psalms, we're, we're joining our voices with 3,000 years of God's people. And when we pray the Psalms, we, we can celebrate in the Psalms, we can lament in the Psalms. And even, even if you start reading the Psalms and you get to a Psalm and you're like, this, this does not speak to me, this isn't for me, that's okay. 
What you're doing is you're praying the voice of another Christian who has gone before you, another follower of God who's gone before you, and you are adding your amen to those words. And Jesus also used the Psalms over and over in his ministry. Jesus, who came to represent us here on earth, did it through the Psalms. And we too, we join in, in, in joining our voice to the, the community of believers throughout history. Also, we're invited in the Psalms of lament to see something bigger than ourselves. Throughout the Psalms, we do this. We're, we're given a language to put into our own words what we're experiencing, but also what others are experiencing. And it's not just about me and Jesus in a moment right now, but it's something that opens up our world to, to something bigger, to that community. And it's trusting in God's promise to act on our behalf. It looks forward to the day of the resurrection and the last day. My daughter used to play a game on the piano and she and I wish the piano was on right now but it's not on it's not working right well we don't have a key piano player so it's not going but she would she would start in the middle with two with two notes the white notes in the key of C and she'd go dun 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 all the way to the very end to the very last note of the scale and she would ask me yes or no and what she was asking me was is it going to resolve is it going to be a perfect end of the, like, you know, go up the scale and you hit the last note? Or no, was she going to hit some other note that would be dissonant and it would sound kind of funny? And so as she's going up, the anticipation's building, and I'd say, yes. And then she'd do something different. She would always do what, the opposite of whatever I said. But if I said no, then sure enough, she would hit the perfect note. The two notes would cause this beautiful symphony to happen, and all of a sudden, the whole scale came to life. I think the Psalms of Lament are kind of like that. We're kind of in the, in the middle of these notes that are kind of out of order and you're not sure what's going to happen. But God has given us a promise that at the end, it comes to life. The Psalms of Lament were prayed with that, that sure and certain hope of what was to come. They knew what God had done in the past. And they knew that God was still working with them now, that he was there in the midst of their pain. And he had promised that, that that last note would be perfect. Perfectly played because of what Jesus Christ has done. He is the one who has come to take all of the pain of the world. He took it upon himself when he went to the cross. And when he said, it is finished, it was finished for you and for me. And so we look forward to the day when he comes again to take every, every tear away, every pain, and to play that perfect final chord. In Jesus we pray. Amen.